1: Three, two, one. Hey, we're back, and this is our favorite podcast of the week. It's our Sunday show, um, you know, and we allow ourselves to be a little bit less formal and buttoned up, and we've had full nights sleep, and you know, <laughs> fully we've exercised, boy, caffeinated, right? So we chill more on Sunday, uh, as many of you do as well, and we can talk about things a little bit less structured, which makes the show more fun for us, and hopefully, it makes it fun for you. Um, so, as always, Julie and I are going to be hitting the. The, uh, I think the most relevant uh, news stories as pertains to real estate, but also the economy on a whole. I'm uh, thrilled to see so many of you have taken to the challenge of essentially being more informed um, about sort of the macro trends that will ultimately affect your pocketbook uh, as pertains to inflation and just things like that. I know that some of this stuff is, you know, a lot of it, if you really spend as much time as Julie and I have on it, a lot of it really is purely theoretical it's kind of like you know crystal ball witchcraft and alchemy bs it really is and whenever you hear an economist speak it's so funny to listen how little they said they say anything that you could hold them accountable to yeah. they just say things that are sort of like well may happen may, ha- may not happen may happen in the next three to five years and all this stuff so i mean it is designed to be confusing because obviously nobody knows Um, And something else that's also kind of funny, all the people come out of the woodwork every time there's an an economic sort of breakdown like this, and they always are the ones that say, I predicted it, I -hmm. told you so, and they're all coming out of the woodwork again. But look, the reason that Julie and I are um, inundating you guys with all this information is because we want you to be informed so you're no longer being in fear of what happens next. You at least have somewhat of a cloudy vision of what's coming forward That way, you then can decide what you need to be doing today to protect yourself. Julie?
2: Yeah, and you can make educated decisions about what to do for your family, for your business. You can look for your own micro trends in your market and your different price ranges and neighborhoods. So I think that, yes, I absolutely agree with you. There's lots of speculation from economists, and trying to make a comparison to this is like that. And based on past performance, we should expect this. You know, it is all speculation, but at least... By studying it, you can have an idea of what to look for.
1: Um, I am remiss. Julie and I are remiss in telling you guys to visit our website every day. A lot of you get the newsletter. You get the summary of the newest articles. Uh, But it's timandjulieharris.com. It is a news site. We are constantly updating, usually four to six new articles per day. A lot of the things we present on the podcast are also on the, the website, but usually a day after we talk about them on the podcast. But I'm going to start out by a story that's up there today. And this is, of course, Sunday, the 17th of May. Zillow predicts home prices to fall 2 to 3% in 2020. Um, so here's the reason. Remember, we were just sort of poking fun at um, economists. Mm-hmm. Well, there's another economist that a lot of you guys will have known, Lawrence Yoon from the National Association of Realtors. And Julie, I think you have that article at the ready. And that one was from Inman. And he is predicting, I remember this part of it, you'll have to remember the rest, right? Yep. He's predicting in 2020, that prices will drop by 15%. So yes. there you go. There's an example, who the hell knows? And this goes back to Julie's point, that you have to basically know your local market. And Julie, can you tell them the importance of not just knowing, there is no one market stat? No, for, and,
2: and we're not going to see a recovery that is universal where you can say, well, the whole country is up by this percent, or the whole country is acting like this by down by this percent. So you've got to not just know your own market, meaning your, you know, your town, but zip codes within your town, little micro um, pieces of that zip code. Typically, I mean, there's a few things that are fairly similar. Like first time buyer houses tend to go more quickly, especially when they're priced right. There tends to be fewer of them. Well, let's, Julie, you let's know. drill down on that just yeah. as
1: a, for example to give sure. people a different context, right? Mm-hmm. So here's the advantage of listening to uh, people that actually sold real estate, guys, huh. and we sold Imagine. thousands of homes. Imagine that, right? <laughs> right. Well, so people call them first time home buyer houses, but in a tough economic time, they're not just first time home buyer houses, they're downsizer houses. And, um, and there's
2: also investors waiting to gobble them up too.
1: That's true. But what the trend is, and the macro trend that seems to be forming and it seems to be picking up momentum is moving from, you know, essentially clustered uh you know tightly confined housing back into the suburbs. And you know, look, let's be realistic. Only was there a big movement towards the cities. And sort of the big coastal New Yorks and L.A.s and whatnot. For the most part, people have been living in suburbia forever and have never moved back to the city. I know like when Julie and I, again, I'll use Columbus, Ohio as an example where we're originally from a thousand years ago. Uh, We never once had the desire to move into downtown Columbus. I mean, I suppose some people did, but we didn't. And so really, when you hear people talking about these macro trends, you as a practitioner in 95% of the country, you know, real estate practitioner, you have to be thinking to yourself, what the hell, this is what we're already doing. And those of you guys in the rural markets too, you have to be thinking to yourselves "This on my rural market, duh, this is the reality of what we've been living with forever. <laughs> you yeah, know, what's,
2: it's nice out here. <laughs> yeah, let's stop
1: acting like moving <laughs> yeah. to the countryside is some sort of, you know, big, special, weird thing. Mm-hmm. It's because most of the news, guys, comes out of sort of the... You know the the LAs and the New Yorks and the Miamis. That's where a lot of the the center of where a lot of the you know mass media content is sourced. And so they are stuck in their own confirmation bias, and you know they're thinking everyone else thinks and lives like they do. They're not immune to it. So just keeping that in mind, mm-hmm. Julie, in a in an individual market like we were just talking about, first time uh-huh. home buyers, right? So first-time homebuyer houses mm-hmm. or downsizer houses. Mm-hmm. You said they're investment properties, mm-hmm. you know, but there are, they could essentially in a, in a shifting market like this, you have those types of product uh, homes that always do well. Always
2: do well. Right. There are more people that qualify to buy them. There are more people who want to buy them. There, it's just a supply and demand feature, really. And, you know, it can serve the needs of many people. It could be, as you said, a downsizer. It could be, you know, a college kid. That, uh, you know, their parents bought it for them. There's lots of different reasons. Now, as you go up market, that's not true anymore, is it? Particularly when you get the third and fourth move up, maybe the executive housing on into the luxury market. Not everybody has to have that. Not everybody's qualified to have that. And, you know, if you're living in a half million dollar house and you'd kind of like to go up to maybe 750, 800, there's nothing really saying you have to in most cases.
1: So macro trends, that's the subject of yeah. you know what we're trying to drill down on here. And then micro trends. So we'll keep you informed of the macro trends, but then you have to then go into your own marketplace and know the nuanced differences, um, literally street by street. You could have uh, community by community, city by city. So know what those are, because ultimately, no matter what happens in the um, real estate market and the economy on a whole, you're going to have to be an expert at knowing where, frankly, you want to put focus your efforts. There are are communities right now that have never come back in value from the Great Recession. They still are priced less than what the house is sold for Mm -hmm. back in 07, 08 and 06 and all the rest of it. And that's going to be true this go around as well. Now let's just be super clear, and Jules, we can rotate to the next article once you've got something. There will be a mini boom. We're calling it a mini boom. We're not going to call it anything more than that. (laughs) There will be a mini boom that's going to last probably to the fall. And then there's, unless there's, you know, and let's hope this is true, unless there's some sort of vaccine for the coronavirus, there is going to be a return of the coronavirus. There's going to be a return to the overreaction. There's going to be a return to the mm-hmm. politicalization. There's going to be a return to the fear and the panic and the loathing. And don't the-
2: forget the election and all the drama that comes right. with that.
1: And we've already seen how the different states, you know, depending on their political, you know, leanings, are sort of okay. If we're a Democrat, you know, governor, then we have to lock everyone down and it has to be martial law. Whereas the Republican states are not like that. I mean, it is a bizarre polarity that we're experiencing right it's now. Very the, the bifurcation in our country right now about how people are behaving and thinking—it's just. Well,
2: it's, it, let's be honest. It's also really confusing when, like, uh, Cuomo comes out last week and says, "By the way." 66% of our new cases were from people who were supposedly at home. Okay, so what do you do with that when we're at the point of the sheltering is to get rid of the increase in cases, and yet 66% of the new ones were that. So how do you process all that, especially coming out of New York?
1: So here's the question I have for you, because mm-hmm. you and I read this stuff constantly, right, mm-hmm. and talk about it every day on our six-mile walk. Right. So now that the, bet, now the bets are on the table, right, mm-hmm. now that uh, the, there's a standard, this is how we behave when there's a spike in coronavirus, We go into quarantine. We this, the other thing, the other thing, okay? Mm -hmm. So there's two thoughts I have. Will, in between the, what's going to feel like a reprieve over the next probably four to six months, and then Mm -hmm. when, let's assume all the scientists, and I can't say it, epidemiologists. There you go. See, I married up. I married a smart lady. So between now and then, Mm -hmm. do you think people are going to seriously... uh, The conversation seems to be we're not going to be ever be told to give up our, you know, be sequestered and quarantined again. I wonder, I guess what I'm saying Mm -hmm. is, will it be possible to tell people to get in their homes um, and and basically act like we have since February, March? Will it be possible to control the population like that? Do you think? What do you think? I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. I think
2: we're going to also see. More confusing news. Right, that makes you feel like they still don't know what the hell's going on with the buyers, and they
1: made a mistake,
2: and, and perhaps they made like the biggest snafu in the history of history. the economy. Yeah. <laughs> right, and so I don't think people are going to buy it, being told to re-quarantine. I don't think so. Either. But by the same token, I think that you know it's interesting because I don't think that they will buy that, but I also don't think they're going to rush out to travel or to. You know, be right next to each other at a bar or something like that. But, but see, that's I, th- I think that's I think that the the collective unconscious is like feeling its way to like what degree are we willing to, um, you know, social distance. I guess. Well, I
1: was just thinking about this. Mm-hmm. So essentially, there's it's debatable. Uh, whether or not even wearing a mask right. outside That's what I'm saying. makes a difference. I mean, yeah. when, when we go on our walks, uh, we see people that it's are wearing... It's
2: about
1: 50-50. Yeah, it's like... And so what is it? What's the virtue signal of wearing a mask versus not wearing yeah. a mask? I just don't want to wear a mask, right? Because yeah. Julie and I are outside, the wind's blowing. And it's blowing. like 95 degrees out too. Yeah. yeah, and the wind's blowing, and it's hard to breathe through and a mask. And we're not
2: near anybody anyway.
1: So the reality of it is yeah. is that you have a lot of this sort of behavioral thing. So when you go out... And we told you guys about this yesterday, which is insane. But there are... uh, No, the day before yesterday on Friday's show. So we were telling you guys about how these... Like in New York and and certain other... uh, Across the globe, like in Singapore, and New York City, in uh, L.A., they're starting to basically fly drones over beaches in L.A. to tell people to socially distance. In New York and Central Park, I may have been Singapore, I might be getting my stories confused, they're running robot robot dogs that basically, these things that look absolutely terrifying, to be honest mm-hmm. with you that are going around and basically telling people to socially distance. A little freaking, well, it's not even that little. It's about the size of a medium-sized dog, and it looks like something from the Terminator, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's honestly. looking. It's crazy. And so this is, all right, so we, at what point do people say, no, I'm not okay. doing that? Especially when you have competing uh, scientific data that's coming out that says, you know yeah. what, it just, here's the resolution to it, folks. Let's just suck it up, and we have to develop this herd immunity thing, and you know, the people that are most likely to get it are going to have to be essentially isolated. There's going to have to be some sort of just, you know, realization that there are no best options. There are just lesser degrees of bad options. Is that what our how soon are we going to this ultimately, Julie, having thought about this, unless mm-hmm. there's some sort of vaccine. Um, and some people are saying the vaccine's going to I mean, I love the fact that Trump's coming out, frankly, and being so optimistic about it. But if there's no vaccine for the foreseeable future. What are we going to do? Just go in and out of quarantine? Yeah, Distri- I don't know.
2: I don't think that's sustainable.
1: I don't think people will do it, honestly. No, you know. I
2: well, I think that hopefully you could make an argument that we're all, as you would say, grown ass adults. <laughs> you know, and you can you can put it all into the hopper and make your own best decisions, right? So, especially depending on your own, uh, you know, health conditions, right? So if you're somebody that has a lot of underlying health issues, you're going to have to think about it differently than somebody that doesn't. And I I really think that the independence that that our country is known for is going to start to bubble up big time. I
1: don't think they're, I think they're underestimating, frankly, how people are going to react to it because Americans, look, we'll play ball for a little bit. Yeah, you're just about there. 60, 90 days, we're about done with that.
2: Yeah. And especially um, when you start eating into the summer, Yeah. You know, when people are, maybe their kids are off. Well, we've all been off from school, really. Right. But when you normally would be taking vacations and doing things of that nature and you're being told you can't do any of that, I think people are pretty much at that limit.
1: And then you see, like, your mind just goes to all these different, you know, it just, this is going to be a very big social experiment, I guess, is the bottom line. Because you hear, like, uh, what was it, the governor of Michigan, who is this gal who's just coming out with these very, like, overly... Uh, draconian, draconian, I mean, measures, but also the manner in which she's saying that she's going to enforce these things.
2: Very aggressive. It's
1: like, have you guys been to Michigan before? I, I mean, Julie and I are from Ohio. We've been to Michigan. Let me tell you, Michigan folks, generally speaking, nicest Midwestern people, you know, the whole thing, hardworking, you know, you can, whatever, all those good qualities, but they also do not like to be pushed around. You know, if if you guys know what the OSU-Michigan game is every year. (laughs) That's a good (laughs) example. Now, granted, Ohio State almost always beats them, but the reality of it is it's usually the biggest fight Ohio State has every year. But the moral of the story is I'm not really sure these politicians really have thought through what's on the other side of all these threats. What happens if, and it is a threat, so what happens if people decide in mass to ignore the government? See, this is the problem ultimately. Is that you have people now that are saying, look what you've done to the economy. Look mm-hmm. what you've done to my uh, life. Look what you've done taking my rights away. Look what you've done. See see all these unintended consequences of all, and even these financial programs that you guys, that we've been telling all of you guys uh, to clamor sure. towards as fast as you can. Well, how does that change society? See how that." how it's fun to talk about it, how it's interesting, Jules.
2: Well, you know, and I think it was another Cuomo article that I read where you know, they're talking about how New York naturally is going to be more delayed at quote opening up and the beaches and this and that and and he, I believe it was him that said, you know, at some point we're just going to have to do it because if we don't we're going to, I think the quote was something like, we're going to drive subversive behavior further underground. And we're going to have massive house parties happening that, you know, just nobody knows about unless you're in that social media. And you're going to have, you know, worse consequences by not opening up, even despite the risk. So
1: people will... So I think
2: they are thinking about that potential civil unrest. Of
1: course. Well, people are seeing essentially what the government can and can't do. Mm -hmm. And the problem with, you know... Look, we have all now, we're all having these conversations amongst ourselves, or maybe just in our heads, questioning the government one way or the other, questioning the the government's decision to quarantine, to shut down the economy. We're having all these conversations about, okay, what do these economists actually know? We're having all these conversations of what about these, you know, disease experts, all the da 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 see, it never ends. Mm-hmm. And so what that's causing everyone to do is realize that for the most part that you really truly are Uh, And if you don't see your life this way, you're kind of crazy. You really are ultimately responsible for yourself. And all these other people that are supposedly leaders are just basically feeling their way through the dark. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is a I don't think there's any way on the other side of all of this uncertainty i don't think there's any way everyone and you know we're gonna all go back to basically just thinking about the powers that be like you know maybe we traditionally have and i think the government's influence on humans in general was on sort of on its waning years anyway because the you know people weren't necessarily all that in love with congress and politics and all the rest of it people are sort of getting burned out on it and this might be the very last domino to fall that really makes then people to say you know what The way our country's been run politically the way our country i don't know guys i'm just guessing Mm -hmm. but but ultimately here's what matters you take care of yourselves over the next few months and make the most of this mini boom market and then prepare for what comes next and so we're going to give you guys good news right yes
2: okay so good segue there Uh, (laughs) um yeah that was good good lead-in um you know we were talking about this mini recovery so for example Mortgage applications from buyers jump 11%, signaling the spring housing market may not be a total loss. This is a CNBC report. As some states reopen from the nationwide coronavirus shutdown and open houses reemerge, virtual and otherwise, buyers are coming back to the housing market much faster than expected. Uh, let's see. Applications to purchase a home rose for the fourth straight week, jumping a decisive 11%. They were still 10% lower compared with the same week one year ago, but that annual loss has been shrinking markedly. Last week, purchase volume was down 19% annually, and month a month ago it was down 35%. So there continues to be uh, recovery and purchase applications, uh, let's see, according to all these mortgage people. The 10 largest states in the MBA survey, New York, led the purchase demand with a 14% jump in those applications. Illinois, Florida, Georgia, California, and North Carolina also had double-digit increases. Uh, of course, this is also impacted by the uh, lower interest rate, the average contract interest rate for 30-year fixed on conforming, which is up to 510000 Uh, In let's see, it's at three point four percent currently. Now, a couple days ago, there was news that there's a big mortgage company offering as low as two and a half percent, so that should help. Um, Let's see. So here's the
1: punchline: lock in your (laughs) as much long-term debt at these no interest rates as you possibly can as they become available to you. Don't be uh, discouraged when you hear, um, you know, there's always it's it's so it's it's very fascinating to me. You have like, I believe, here's a a great conspiracy theory for all of you guys. So where did all these stories come from about, um, you know, don't try to get mortgage forbearance? Where did all this hype come from? Trying to scare people away from it, even though it was the law, and even though Julie and I were essentially, you know, pulling in the direction of, "Hey, listeners, this is what you need to do." Uh, what if there was an organized effort? This is just a conspiracy theory. I'm going to get it started here. So I was mm-hmm. thinking about this. Okay. On behalf of the servicers, the banks themselves to um, essentially make it so that people were discouraged from asking for mortgage forbearances. Because if you remember, listeners, for a while, the mortgage companies were uh, trying to negotiate, in essence, with the government for some kind of bailout, which, by the way, of course they got, um, with regards to servicing mortgages. And the FHFA guy was pushing against mm-hmm. the banks and saying they got tons of money, they don't need a bailout, they're just, they're rain, let's not, you know, all the rest of it. Um And what if the banks were the ones that were the one uh, that were out there pushing this idea don't even try to ask for forbearance it's you know bad news and the you know you're gonna I have think to- that's
2: absolutely true tim i don 't think that 's even conspiracy theory i'm willing to say it because i 've seen um some of our coaching clients have circulated direct email and social media from mortgage people that are directly saying that. Especially early on before FHA and Fannie and Freddie came out and said, "Uh uh-uh, that's not how it's supposed to work. I, I think that's probably going to be quite the news story as we look back on this.
1: Well, I mean, then let's make sure we get credit for it. Got breaking it. on breaking. <laughs> breaking on real estate coaching radio. Tim and Julie have a annoying. conspiracy theory about mortgage companies trying to uh, keep borrowers from uh, you know putting their mortgages in forbearance. Though yes. I don't think that's a you know, of course they don't want agents or they don't want people not paying their mortgage payment. But yeah, okay, here's another one I heard, mm-hmm. and this is another is I read this one yesterday. I don't okay. think I shared it with you. So this was another basic bullshit article that was mm-hmm. floating around It was picking up steam mostly in social mm-hmm. that's saying even though the banks aren't supposed to report um, a mortgage forbearance as a negative on your credit mm-hmm. even though there is no balloon even though all this that there's some sort of mystery scarlet letter and those are the words they actually use oh, yeah. that, that is somehow going to taint your ability to get a mortgage going forward if you put your mortgage into forbearance and I read the article and all it was was a bunch of hearsay and bullshit but you guys watch how that gets legs again and so what is that all about? It has to be some sort of uh, you know organized Obviously, what would be the motivation from anyone outside of the banks to pass rumors like that? <laughs> there were none. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So this is the type of this is the type of information that when you guys just ingest it, if you don't actually slow yourselves down to think about who would be printing an article like this? And the the other thing they've done so masterfully um, is people that are essentially using what appears to be viable news sources and Julie and I you and I get tripped up on this too mm-hmm. we'll be re- like i 'll give you an example and, and then i 'll meander back mm-hmm. when Julie and I came across the story um about in washington d c how they had uh essentially invoked some sort of rarely ever even considered um, sort of martial law military takeover of washington dc and how they're flying you know f-22s over and how they're positioning washington dc for some sort of you know deluge of civil unrest and mm-hmm. how there's okay we thought nah, sounds like some bs yeah. even though it was on newsweek so we spent between the two of us probably two or three hours chasing the links down mm-hmm. in other words so and so said this so and so said this So so we click it we research it we just try to make sure that we are, you know, obviously saying things that were the truth. And it turns out it was true. But that could have very well just have been a fake story, a fake news story. But we determined it was real. Well, here's the other one, the latest one, which we're going to continue to publish, even though you guys think we're crazy, is the one about the aliens. <laughs> I mean That's that my is- favorite one. That is the greatest bit of lunacy ever.
2: Yeah, I think it's great to watch. I mean, of
1: course, but there you go. So aliens, you know, and we did that story on uh, TimAndJulieHarris.com. dot So make sure you're reading that. Um, so anyway, we. Could... I'm
2: just thinking, like, how much weirder can 2020 get? Oh man! You know, A lot I mean, between murder hornets, aliens, coronavirus, lockdowns, which may or may not have been actually necessary, wackadoodle economy. You know, it's like, okay. let's just take a a little. Can we just have like third quarter to take a breath? But we'll see how that goes. So, yeah, not going to happen. Yeah, I had a little article on CNBC. You know, we like Diana Olick for her uh, real estate reporting has been real consistent Um, talking about different changes to the real estate market and what's been adopted and is becoming uh, more normal, like 3D Matterport cameras, uh, sellers making sure the agent does uh, personal live virtual tours, all this stuff is becoming normalized. So I think that's interesting to see. And I think that's where everything was headed before. It's just been uh, sped up a bit. And One of the things that I'd like to see is, is this going to be like a virtual revolution when we look back on this three to five years from now, where we all migrate? I mean, look at what's going on with Zoom, for example. So that was interesting.
1: You and I spoke, and I'm air quoting that, um, Mm -hmm. you and I spoke at EXP's Shareholder Summit last week. And I have to tell you guys, it was amazing. Truly, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. Thousands. So the Shareholder Summit was open to everyone, and they had i don't even know how many agents and just people in general attend and the numbers coming out of exp as far as their growth as far as their year-over-year growth as far as you know they're profitable and just all these things everyone said a few years ago exp will never work it's an idea that you know, it's the revenue share is going to da da, da da They had all these theories, and they're all been proven wrong. Mm-hmm. But here's the point: when Julie and I were presenting, we we're in front of a couple hundred people. We were talking about the Ultimate Agent Survival Guide, and you know what? It was so clean, so professional. Um, people could ask questions, and it was one hundred. It was even better than Zoom. Basically, we were in a virtual auditorium. We were up on stage. We're prevent you know presenting to this whole group of people that in the audience agents that are you know they listening and taking notes and participating and it, it's immersive and I don't mean that in a you know a weird sense but it is it's immersive when you're mm-hmm. in that environment you the initial impression is okay this is kind of weird I'm an avatar I'm, but then after you start doing it then your mind starts to sort of melt away from the fact that you're not just directly interacting you don't obviously have the same level of interaction. But the information in a lot of ways is disseminated, and I've noticed this from other people's presentations too, it's disseminated in almost a, a more professional way because because yeah. you can't interact with your audience, you're more focused and drilled down on presenting the content and less worrisome about, well, frankly, what you look like. Yeah, or, and I
2: think there's less ramp up and ramp down and quieting people down and trying to you know, have control of the room and people are getting up to go to the bathroom and you know, all of those distractions were pleasantly missing.
1: Yeah, pleasantly missing. And um, yeah, it was fantastic. And we've done so many others inside EXP World. And obviously, we do a lot of Zooms too. I like Zoom as much as anybody, but I think between Zoom and EXP World, I kind of like EXP World better. It's just this more, you know, the Zoom, you're just looking at somebody drink coffee and. You know, we it's so funny. We were doing a Zoom last week, and I don't know how many people were on it. It's less than fifty. But when we were scrolling, looking at the pictures, you know, I, I came across this guy that was doing a Zoom, and he was it was eleven a.m. maybe noon his time, and he was having a glass of wine. I know it was funny. <laughs> and we and we started <laughs> we started kidding. we pointed him out. We stopped our presentation and started pointing oh. him out. And, you know, it was fun. He didn't take it. You know, no, you know, it was fine. But it was you great. Know. What's the saying, Julie? Rosé all day? Yeah, that's right. And
2: and your day jammies. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. But so to your point, though, there's macro trends that have changed that will never go back. And that's probably the biggest one. I
2: think most of them are good, too.
1: Yeah. Well, how many people... Um, now we'd not never resisted an online revolution of business because our whole coaching business has always been online and you and i never really had an office for any of our businesses we've always been you know what's the point of having an office you you know customers don't want to meet you at a real estate office the brick and mortar businesses in general if not dead they're certainly going to be reconsidering you know everything about how they do business so going forward and you you want to think about like the big huge trends that all of us are gonna be experiencing, I'll tell you right now, the biggest one in real estate is absolutely EXP Realty. There's no doubt about it. If you're if you're a broker, if you're a team member, if you're owning a team, if it does not matter, if you're not seriously realizing what a genius business model EXP Realty is you're truly you're going to be suffering in the future needlessly. And I, I'll tell you when I said the word suffering where my heart and emotions immediately went is to all the calls we've had in the past month, both Julie and I, where we're talking to some of these brokers and office managers who are running these, you know, they're basically quietly suffering because of the fact that they really don't have the financial staying power to weather any kind of slowdown more so than we've already experienced. Look, guys, the government programs are only going to get you so far because here's what's on the other side of it. And I want you to think about this. Now, ideally, these government programs were originally designed to essentially uh, inflate the balloon, if you want, if you will, or r- replace the lost income and the revenue and the mm-hmm. you know financial activity that would be happening had the you know people not been put into quarantine and that's it so it was not designed it was designed to temporarily replace Um, and guess what happens on the other side of that the business owners are going to have to then decide whether or not they want to get back in business and if for example you're a restaurant or you're a dry cleaner or if you're a real estate brokerage office If you have people, where's the, where's the viability in having a business anymore? There was a statistic yesterday that 64%, and this was from Zero Hedge, of all business owners are considering just getting out of the business. Like whatever business it is, they're just going to shut their doors because they can't make their business work virtually, or they can't make their business work. Well, they just
2: might not have the customers to sustain That's right. You can't just go on forever like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, everyone over talks about, you know, the restaurants, restaurants, but what about retail? What about, oh my gosh, I was reading a story mm-hmm. about retail, uh, what was it, Nordstrom's, they're going to have to start sanitizing the clothes. Yeah. I mean, seriously, yeah. how, how's that going to work? No. Seriously, you, I want you to and, think And how's this.
2: it work with dressing rooms? You really want to be trying on something exactly. after somebody else tried it on? Exactly. Probably not.
1: How's that going to work, listeners? I'll it, tell you how it's
2: going to work. You're going to buy everything online just like you have been for the past 90 days.
1: <laughs> that's pretty much it. Julie just hit the nail on the head. That's the new reality. Uh, that's how people are going to basically be expecting for you to do business with them, and that's the reason that we're begging all of you to stop waiting, hoping, and praying. Anytime you say someone, you hear someone saying "return to normal." Whenever you hear anyone say that, you have to immediately realize that that person is not dealing with reality. There is whatever the new normal is going to be. Nobody knows. As we're all sort of coming out of our, you know, government forced quarantines, the nor- new normal is definitely abnormal and here's the, you know, think about this big picture. Some people are saying it could be five years before there's a vaccine, Um, you know, five years before there's a viable therapy. I certainly hope not. So do you guys, but what else is going to change in the interim? Now, here's the thing to keep in mind. During the greatest times of change, it was one of the greatest opportunities there are, frankly, to help people and make money. So if you're not fully embracing uh, everything we're talking about from you know using uh, EXP Realty to doing virtual presentations to learning how to do Zoom. If you're not like way ahead of that curve right now and that's what we teach you in our coaching program, obviously, then what's going to happen to you on the other side of it? What's going to happen to you for a year from now when the expectations from sellers and buyers completely changes? What are you going to do now? What skill sets are you learning now to adapt to this new changing uh, real estate market? This new changing world, guys. It, you know, It was Tom Hanks, give him credit, right? Who said... Our lifetimes are going to be benchmarked by before, you know, Corona and after Corona. And, and I think he is right. I You know, I didn't like it when I heard him say it, but now that I'm realizing he was right, I think it's definitely going to be true. So what are you going to benchmark your post-Corona you know, uh, life like, is it going to be hardship? Is it going to be desperation? Is it going to be, you wish you would have prepared? Is it going to be my best days are behind us or behind me? I wonder how many of you guys actually are thinking like that. If you don't, if you're saying, Tim, what are you talking about? I don't think like that. Well, then what is your behavior going to, uh, what does it tell you on how you're actually thinking? What is your behavior actually saying, uh, that you're actually going to, how your post coronavirus life is going to be like? Are you making the decisions necessary right now to make it so that you basically are part of the new conversation and not just basically trying to pin your hopes to return to normal? And the easy, obvious thing for all of you to do that are listening to me right now is take a serious look at eXp Realty. Julie and I are with eXp Realty. We do have a you know one of the fastest growing groups inside eXp Realty. Our specialization is working with teams and brokers, but obviously we have, you know, billions of agents that are also associating with us. If there's anything that you have, uh, if you want eXp information, you want me to just text you a quick video so you can learn about it, just text the word eXp to 31996 and we'll text you back a video that really does a great job of explaining all the basics. If you're more advanced than that, and if you'd like to talk with me directly about joining eXp Realty and obviously based on the growth tens of thousands of you are, feel free to uh, text me directly at 512-758-0206. So Julie, when I was just on my uh, mm-hmm. rant there, what were you thinking?
2: Well, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that we're all settling into that acceptance phase. You know, we talked about, um, you know, traveling from disbelief and then eventually landing on acceptance. Well, you know, I'm I'm glad to hear less discussion about, okay, when we get back to normal and more about, okay, I got to learn how to how to do this Matterport thing so I can do my 3D tours. I've gotta be able to meet somebody, turn on all the lights before they show up. I mean, a lot of these things agents should have been doing from day one. So I like the uh, forced adaptation of new practices. That's what I'm kind of enjoying watching. And I think it's all for everyone's good. So good for everybody for taking action. And if you haven't yet, and you're still holed up watching the news, I'm not sure what you're thinking because we've done everything from show you how to get, you know, money in your pocket, To how to make those changes so now's the time to as we like to say make hay while the sun
1: shines that's right do you want to um we should tell them a little bit about some of the additional changes to all the programs we've been talking about endlessly uh, sure. we, there's a few so listen listeners if you have not yet um, essentially applied for a PPP loan if you've not yet learned about mortgage forbearance if you've not yet learned about unemployment insurance if that's relevant if you've not yet applied for eidl loan if you've not yet gotten your stimulus check i don't and then i feel sorry for you frankly there's the first thought second yeah. thought is what the heck are you waiting for you' here's the quick and easiest way for you to get access to all this information in one place and i assure you it's best to breed information just text the word survival to 31996 text the word survival to 31996 yes
2: and in fact I just updated our uh, Tom's about to update the newest thing which came out today and that is how to get your PPP money forgiven and not have it be a loan have it a grant. Um, there's some just fairly light paperwork and accounting to fill out, but we are supplying you with that as well. So as things come out and you know the Heroes Act may be passing, Uh, at least whatever new format it's going to have in the next couple of weeks. So we'll update with that. That's expected to have uh, more stimulus money and some other perks. So we'll be reporting on that as it happens.
1: We don't think there's going to be a near end to any of these programs. They're originally designed only to go four months, and there was supposed to only be one round of PPP money. And we think they're going to continue uh, with, frankly, no end in sight. I'll tell you the end. Here's two things will keep all these programs from just continuing forever in one form or another. A vaccine and unemployment rates dropping and the economy returning. Um, Don't be confused in your hearts, in your minds about the reality that we are going to be experiencing a mini boom in housing, a mini boom in the economy. People are going to uh, feel a lot better overall, especially in our industry, and make the most of it. Celebrate it but do not wait, do not hesitate, and make sure you're hoping for the best and preparing for the worst. That's the reason we've been asking all of you guys to take full advantage of all the financial programs. Text the word survival to 31996. And then what we do believe is going to happen is there's going to be, as they already are proving it to be true, um, a complication and a continuation of the PPP programs, probably uh, definitely unemployment, um, you know, Again, these are the types of things when, you you know, the scariest words in the English language, according to Ronald Reagan, Or the scariest sound was a knock on the door and you opening the door and seeing someone from the government saying, I'm here from the government, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was kind of a joke, but you can see how some of the unintended consequences of some of these things that they've done. Like, for example, you know, guys, how many people are going to receive unemployment? And essentially stay on unemployment for a long period of time because they're receiving more money. This is a real thing. Most people on unemployment before were barely receiving two hundred bucks a week, and now they're mm-hmm. receiving like seven hundred fifty bucks well, a week. Actually,
2: that new form I was telling you about takes that into account and says specifically if you tried to rehire somebody and they said no, well, whether it was they unemployment or otherwise. About. Okay,
1: so they they now don't don't we're talking about. They don't. You pivoted to talk about the PPP. Sorry, the
2: thing I was just talking about the SBA form of how to get the PPP money forgiven. Right. actually plays into you told that. me not them. Okay, it yeah. plays into <laughs> you know maybe you tried to hire somebody and they said no, I'm not coming back. So that's a big enough thing that they embedded it in that request.
1: So what we're talking about is prior to the podcast, Julie was telling me about the thing that she and Tom just loaded on the website, talking about how you go about getting your. Uh, PPP loan turned into a grant yes. and, and that and it was just a simple forum and now it's a complicated process
2: of course yeah, of course predicted.
1: and we did tell you guys that would happen 60 days ago that's the reason we we're telling you to be urgent about applying for all those programs and it is going to get more complicated because that's the nature of what bureaucracies do that's the nature of you know what government does it wants to make it more and more complicated yep. And, okay, here's a problem. Let's create another rule. Well, that rule then created this problem. That rule created this problem. And ultimately, what people are going to have to accept the fact is that they are all – you're responsible. I'm responsible. We're all responsible for ourselves and our own families. And even though it does feel good for some of you to have access to this essentially free money, um, you realize there's it's not ultimately free, not even because it'll never be paid back. So let's not even talk about paying off the debt. That's never going to happen but ultimately what we're talking about is are the unintended consequences and i was just using the example of um, people that are basically long-term unemployed. If you can receive thirty thousand dollars a year, up to you know, I don't even know how much 80000 a dollars a year on unemployment, depending on your situation. If there's two working on un- you know people that are unemployed, if people can stay in that mode forever, well, I'm pretty damn sure you cannot use your unemployment income to qualify for a mortgage. So there's a whole swath of people yeah. that are taken out of the housing markets. And by the way, as far as the unemployment rate goes, there's another thing that's become politicized, and this yes. is very fascinating. So they're talking about, some people are saying the unemployment rate's as high as it was in the Great Depression. Other people are saying it's not. And then other people are saying it's going to be in the 20%, which will be. The reality of it is, is if you add all the statistics up, the number already is over 20% of the working age population is effectively unemployed. They play with the unemployment numbers. And that's what's going to happen again. So you are incentivizing um, a huge number of people to basically go on the dole who otherwise never would have been. And all this...
2: For a long time. I mean, they are talking about making it through like January of
1: 2021. Now think about this. If you are somebody who's taken yourself out of the job market and you're unemployed and you're unemployed for a long period of time, you're going to be less competitive when you try to go back in the job market because you obviously lost some skill set. You're going to be essentially... There's going to be whole groups of people. There could be a generation of people that are like people say well this you know the unemployed people are the mostly low skilled that's not true it's a bunch of bullshit and there's another politicized thing well it can't hearing. be true
2: based on just the numbers alone right not Exactly. not everyone and there's so many what is it are we at 30 million i
1: think now right and so this all this thing oh it's the restaurant workers and the service workers they're the so where's that coming from what's the motivation for saying that you know Who knows? Who cares? But the reality of it is is people in all different, essentially, white-collar, blue-collar education levels are losing their jobs. So if someone chooses then to stay on unemployment for a long period of time, and, and let's just say they would have been maybe in an... Like, I was a bus boy, okay? I started when I was in high school. I used to bus tables. Now, if all of a sudden, during those formidable years, when I was learning to work my ass off and being a you know, abused in a a four-star French restaurant, right, which some of the, you know, meanest French uh, waiters you've ever met in your life, okay, so that constant physical and emotional abuse, if I never would have had that, what skill set would I have lost? I know, you know, quite a few, right, not just knowing how to behave professionally when I was just a teenager, but also essentially how to, you know, Put up with a large uh, group of how to do
2: what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it. Yeah, They're that's thankful. where
1: these thoughts all started, right? Yeah. I mean, in essence. So if I hadn't had that, because I could just sit on my ass and watch Netflix all day and collect money, there would have been like what a year, a uh, two years during a most important uh, you know part of my sure. life that I would have lost. And so you think, well, all these you know low skilled workers, those low skilled workers are becoming something else unless you essentially make it so they no longer have to strive to become something else it's sort of like if you know your participation trophy right mm-hmm. everyone shows up to the soccer game whether you you know were terrible at the playing soccer or not and everyone gets the same award you make it so that there is no specialness in achieving you make it so that there's no why would I work hard if I don't get any sort of recognition for it if I don't actually feel the benefit of having to put in the extra efforts these are all unintended consequences next story
2: yeah, I think that I'm through most of our stories at this. Well, here's here's an interesting one. Okay, so we, we're talking about how in the top of our uh, podcast, we're talking about how it's not going to be consistent everywhere in the country, in every price range, in every town. So uh, there's a story called "These Three multimillion dollar dollars Mega Homes Hit the Market in the Middle of the Pandemic." Here's why. Quote, sellers are more committed to selling now than they were before because of uncertainty, said LA-based real estate broker, Aaron Kerman. As stock market studies and states begin to reopen, it's sparking more confidence and the financial ability to act for our high net worth clients. That's coming out of Florida. It's been a conversation with each seller over the comfort level of when to list. We're listing some now and holding back many. That's from New York. Uh, But home buying demand is starting to come back. The number of customers reaching out to real estate agents was 5.5% higher in the week ending May 10th than it was pre-pandemic, according to new data from Redfin. The real estate firm also said new listings have increased every week for the past month. So there you have it. There's a little bright spot. And then they gave some examples of different uh, very expensive houses that just hit the market.
1: Yep. So here's the bottom line, folks. Please stay close. Listen to what Julie and I are telling you. We're doing our best to have your backs. Ultimately, we can motivate you. Ultimately, we can you know educate you. And you know we can't do the last one, which is get you into action. You have to do that yourself. Uh, please don't wait any longer than you already have to take massive action on this. You are absolutely going to have the best next you know part of your life is in front of you if you choose for it to be. You've got to get into massive action. You've got to get into alignment with what our highest and truest purpose of all of us on this planet is to be, which is service to other people. The only way you're going to be able to do that is if you have a skill set the other people are willing to pay for. Do you? You think you do because you and may don't have Don't wait
2: to find out the hard way.
1: Right. The, the, the gambit of problems and the complexity of people's issues as pertains to real estate going forward. For you know, all of you, it's going to be completely new information. This is what we do in our coaching company. This is what we've trained people to do forever. This is the reason that some of the most successful real estate agents in the history of our business have been coaching clients of Julie and I's because they come to us to actually learn how to be specialists. They don't come to us to learn how to be generalists. They don't come to us to learn how to play and be part of a club or, you know, essentially talk about the things that everyone else talks about just because they're trendy. Social networking, branding, building a team. They come to us because they actually want to be really, really good at what they what they have, you know, their chosen career. They come to us because they want to be confident that they walk into any kind of situation that they can solve the problem. That's the, the very thing that you need to make it so you can embrace this new market. I think to all of you that we've been in direct contact with over the past forever, um, I hope and pray that you guys are listening. I hope and pray that you're taking action, that you stay safe, you stay healthy. But remember, ultimately, your future is dependent on the actions that you take. You know, we can educate you, we can motivate you, we can do everything in our power to get you moving forward, but you've got to do it yourself. Make yourself uncomfortable, embrace being uncomfortable. Stop looking just to be comfortable. Stop looking for things to be easy. Stop looking for things to return to normal. The longer you stay in that mode, the more painful it's going to be, frankly, when you realize that you should not have been waiting. Julie, any closing thoughts? You know, I was
2: having a flashback to um, the 2008 go-around where I remember we did a podcast and I think that our short sale coach started the thought process. She said, you know what I've noticed? Too many agents waiting and yep. we made a big list. We had like 12 different bullet points about stop waiting for the other shoe to drop. Stop waiting for you to get some news that it's not happening to you. Stop waiting to do your lead follow-up. Stop waiting. And wait, I, I was just thinking, you know. Let's do
1: that show tomorrow on the yeah. normal call. Yeah. Because,
2: you know, that point is still salient.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, so listen, listeners, Flashback if over. you've not yet gotten your own personal financial bailout, not grabbed the lifeline, please text the word SURVIVAL to 31996. When you're ready to move forward with eXp Realty, just text me directly at 512-758-0206. Or if you're just waiting in the getting ready to get started stage of eXp, just text the word eXp to 31996. In the meantime, stay close. Listen to all of our past podcasts on uh, timandjuliharris.com, over on Stitcher. It's on Spotify. It's everywhere. Thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily
0: podcast for real estate agents in the nation.